this is the last message on the series Handle with Care. Here's a basic premise of the series. It's pretty simple. That wherever you want to move forward at in life, it always comes back to relationships on your job. If you're going to become a spouse and stay in a marriage or if you're raising kids or you just want to age with grace, it's always, always at the end of the day about relationships. Everybody shout relationships. And so today I want to talk about aging and caring for those who are aging. So let's read John 19 beginning at verse 17, 18. See if there's some fresh insight we can learn as we get ready to move towards Easter about Jesus on the cross. Carrying the cross by himself, he went to the place called the place of the skull. In Hebrew, that's Golgotha. There they nailed him to the cross. Two others were crucified with him, one on either side, and Jesus was between them. Verse 26. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, Dear woman, here is your son. He's indicating John, who's standing in the crowd. And he said to this disciple, John, here is your mother. He's indicating Mary. And from then on, this disciple took her into his home. Everybody say amen. amen. Please be seated. Let me begin just by painting the landscape in this country uh, when it comes to this notion of aging and Probably I should start by just asking you to turn to your neighbor and just say, uh, I'm sorry to inform you. Can you just turn to him and tell him, I'm sorry to inform you? You are aging. <laughs> You're aging. We're all aging. Every one of us. This, this, this message is applicable to us all. Let's talk a little bit about the aging landscape. 35 million people in this country are caring for their own loved ones, primarily adults 50 years and older. 15 million people in this country are caring for loved ones who have Alzheimer's or some form of dementia. The average age of the person uh, who's caring for their loved one is somewhere in the area of 63 years old. And the average age of folk being cared for is about 65 47% of those who are receiving care are in the area of, uh, in the age of 75 uh, and above. 15 years from now, 20% of the American population will be 65 years and older. By the time we hit 2060, it is anticipated that a half a million people will have lived to 100 years of age and, and older, and three times as many as today will be 85 years and older. One out of every four Americans will be 65 years old and older. Tell the person next to you, you're in those numbers somewhere. Tell them. <laughs> so part of what I want to talk about a little bit this, this afternoon is, since we're all aging, how do we age well? How should you age well? And the first point I want to make, if you're going to age well, whatever uh, bracket, age bracket you're in, it needs to be intentional. It, it needs to be by design. You're going to have to think about aging well. And 
here's how I want to back into it. I called my friend Dr. Weston Roberts yesterday. He's 82 years old. 82 years old. We've been friends for 26 years. Uh, he's in Boston, pastoring People's Baptist Church, the oldest African-American church in the country. And I said to him, I'm going to teach this message on tomorrow. And I know that age is a lot about perspective. Somebody shout perspective. When you're young, when you're in your 20s or 30s, you see life through one set of lens. And when you get to be 50 or 60 or so, you, you see life through a total different set of lens. Shout perspective. So I said, now you're 82. Can you share with me a perspective that if folk in their 20s or 30s, if they actually could get, it would change how they live their lives? And he didn't miss a beat. He said, share with them to live life aware of the brevity of life. In other words, he said, live conscious of the fact that life is fleeting and uncertain and insecure. Now, the reason why we say that is because when you're young, you're 20s and 30s, you feel like you're going to live forever. When you get to be 50, 60, 70, you realize I got more years on earth behind me than I have in front of me. And you start thinking about things differently. Relationships, and you start picking your fights differently. Your values shift. This is why the psalmist says in Psalms 90, verse 12, this is why he says, Teach us, this is his prayer, to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in what? Wisdom. Wisdom. Here's a point I want to point out about Jesus on the cross. Verse 17 and 18 tells us they force him to take the cross. The next thing we know, he's being placed on the cross. And the essence of this point is that death through that cross has come to Jesus at 33 years of age. Jesus is 33 years old. Not much different than Kobe Bryant, who is 41 years old. And wealthy and good looking and a great family and while not perfect, had a lot of things going for him and just like that. So here's my first point. Uh, to, in order to age well with uh, uh, with intentionality. You need to do so anticipating loss. I don't mean it in a morbid way. I don't mean it in a fearful way. I just mean that you're cognizant of the fact that, that loss is always lingering near. And the next time you run into a barrage of stories about Kobe Bryant, which is all over the place, I just want you to pause for a moment and say, you know what? That could be me. And if it was me tomorrow or next week, what regrets would I leave behind? And whatever regrets, you should make a list of what those regrets are. Those are the things you ought to start prioritizing and working on. Live with the awareness that says, I anticipate loss. That's intentionality. That's how you age well. 
Secondly, if you're doing that, uh, that means that you're going to prioritize relationships. Everybody shout, prioritize relationships. I'm going to show you how Jesus lived with the awareness that, 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 that says he anticipated the sense of loss, uh, which drove, that, that, which helped shape everything he was about in terms of relationships. He, he says in John 9, 4, he says, uh, he says, the work, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. Because when the night, because the night is coming, when no one can work. He's aware. And so everything he does is all about relationships, including his death on the cross. It's all about relationships. I've been pastoring for over 30 years, and here's, here's an experience that's true to me. I've gotten to walk through a number of, with a number of people through death of loved ones in their family. Many have gone through cancer and come out on the other side. And I'd say eight out of ten of them across the years, if they come out on the other side, they come out prioritizing relationships. That's the one thing that is, they are keenly aware of. I have a young uh, man who takes care of my dryer and washing machine and all, and all the dishwasher and all that stuff. He's done it for years. Probably in his mid-30s, late-30s. He was over doing some work for me the other day, and I was just talking to him. One of the reasons I like to, to, to use the same people, connect to the same people in various services, is I get to get inside their story. As I was talking to him, and I asked him about his family, he said to me, he said, man, I, he said, my wife died two years ago. I was shocked. That meant she was in her early 30s. And he said it was horrible, and he talked about it. He said, but he said, as horrible as it was, I grew through it. I said, what you mean? Well, he owns his own business, and, and he said, man, I, he said, I used to work all the time, day and night, weekends, holidays. He said, but I have a 15-year-old daughter now. He says, I make sure I'm at home at a reasonable time in the evening times. I'm spending time with her on weekends. And then he told me about the trip, how he goes to Peru. That's where his mom lives in Peru. And he used to just go there every now and then. He goes now more regularly, once or twice a year. When he, when he would go, he used to stay in the hotel. But now he stays with his mom. And how transformative that has been for him. You see, the, 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 what, what radically changed him here is this notion of how, how fleeting life is. And so now you know what he's doing? He's prioritizing relationships. If you want to age well, prioritize relationships. And then thirdly, we talked a little bit about this last week. I'm just, I'll return to it because it's true for aging well. You want to age well? Treat your body as sacred. 1 Corinthians 6, uh, we talked a little bit about this last week. You heard this uh, verse. Uh, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? That's Paul's way of saying, hey, your body is sacred. Right, over the last few weeks, I've told you what, who you become in dating 
is who you will be in marriage? Well, the same thing true is about aging. Who you are and how you treat, let me put it this way, how you treat your body in your 20s and 30s and 40s will have something to do with what kind of body you will have in your 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. There's a connection. So, when I was growing up, they say, what does it say? Love, sex, and rock and roll. And I'm saying, you better be careful. Because that's not good for the body. Come on now. (laughs) Illicit sex and illegal drugs and rocking and rolling all night long. Come on now, that's not good for the body. When the, Bible, when the Bible talks about being holy and righteous, it's really saying, you know, live a lifestyle that is, at the end of the day, uh, healthy, both vertically and horizontally. So watch what you put in your body, what you eat. Watch how you exercise your body. Why? Because it's a temple. It's sacred. Watch what you put your body through. Why? Because it houses your soul. One of the most incredible words Jesus speaks, we spoke them earlier during communion. He says, the night before his crucifixion, at the last Passover meal where he institutes communion, he breaks the bread and he says, take, eat, this is my body broken for you. Now he was fully human, fully divine, and so his body was sacred, Our body is sacred in a different way. The Spirit of God lives in us. Treat your body as it's sacred. And you know what? You'll age well. And then, this last point. I was talking to a person a few days ago. She shared with me, she says, you know, I'm caring for my aging mom. And she says, you know, it's kind of challenging and complicated and difficult. She says, but I'm watching my mother-in-law, and she's radically different. She's not cantankerous. She is easy. As a matter of fact, all of her children love to be around her. All of her grandchildren, they love to be around her. Her friends, they're always gathered around her. Now, I didn't explore this, but had I explored it, I bet you I would have discovered that, that, that for the bulk of her life, her grandmother, at least for the last 30 or 40 years, her mother-in-law, rather, has, been, has, has, has lived the agape love principle that I've been talking about for the last several years, the uh, last several weeks. Uh, that she is uh, patient with those that are around her and kind and, 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 and shines the spotlight uh, on other people and celebrates and elevates them, that she doesn't fly off the handle, that she doesn't keep long lists of wrongs, that, that she's just a joy to be around. She makes people feel awesome. And so, you know what? They like being around her. If you're not that way now... You won't have people who like to be around you later. Tell the person next to you, stop pushing people out your life. (laughs) You won't have them later. Now inside of this is a marvelous point. 
And Jesus really reminds us of this uh, because of who he is on the cross in this context. And, and the lady that I was talking to, she says, you know what? And she smiled. She says, I want to be like my mother-in-law when I become a senior. She says, I want my kids and my grandkids. And, and she says, so you know what I'm doing? I'm learning from her now. I'm beginning to interact with my adult kids the way she interacts with her adult kids. She doesn't try to manipulate nor control. She just counsels and gives them freedom. And, 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 and they go on vacations together and so forth and so on. She says, that's my model. Here's the insight. Have a model. Uh, uh, who, who, what does it look like for you to age? Who do you want to be like? Maybe it's inside your family, maybe it's not. But as a senior, your latter years, who do you want to be like? Ultimately, Jesus on the cross becomes our everlasting model of agape love. But who in your earthly realm do you want to be like? If you can't answer that question, you should be looking for that. Put that down as a homework question. Who do you want to be like? So that's, that's aging with intentionality, right? But also, if you're going to age well, you need to age with grace. Everybody shout grace. Now, I'm not talking about here unmerited favor. I'll talk about that a little bit at the very end of this message. When I say grace, I mean in kind of old world uh, word. I mean it in terms of Age with an elegance. Age with a loveliness. Age with some swag. Come on. Shout grace. Grace. You know, people used to dance with grace. There was a smoothness to how they, how they moved across the floor. You say, oh, he or she is so graceful. Age with grace. I just want age with grace. Well, first of all, you have to change how you think about aging. Now, let me give you an example. I think I mentioned this several months ago. I was sitting in my barber chair, and he was working on my mustache and beard, cleaning me up. And he said, I see a couple of grades. And I didn't let him go any further. I said, remove them. No questions, nothing to ask. It's whatever it takes, get rid of them. A few days later, my daughter's wrestling with me and playing with me, and she ends up in my arm, and she looks up in my mustache, and she said, Daddy, you got a lot of white hairs up there. I said, what do you mean? I mean, it should just be, I said, I had the barber. I mean, it's like if it's one or two, could you just pull and pull them out? And she said, she said, well, let me count. She started counting. One, two, three, four, five. Ah! <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I was on a flight flying to the East Coast. I had two ladies sitting in the seat right next to me. And they were talking to me, and we were talking. I was talking about I'm a pastor. I was talking about my wife. I was talking about my kids. And, you know, just back and forth. And then one of the women had the audacity to say, well, now tell me about your grandkids. I said, What? Grandkids. <laughs> well, you gotta change how you think. 
Let me tell you how, how let me tell you how God started changing me. This is a true story. Uh, Ed Ware led worship today. And I don't know, about six weeks ago or something, something, I walked in, I saw Ed showed up, and he was all white. Just gray, hair's gray, mustache is gray. And I was shocked. And then I took a double take and I said, man, you look good. <laughs> and then it hit me. That's aging with swag. Huh? Uh, yeah, celebrate that. That's a... that, that what Ed is saying is that, is that it is a gift to grow older. It is an honor to have, to occupy space in church, in family, in life, a space of wisdom. Uh, 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 that it is a blessing to, 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 to have gray hairs. That's the proof that you have lived a little bit. Come on now. And, and, so, and so he has swag with his gray. And, and it was so inspiring that I decided from now on, I can't wait till my grays come out. <laughs> so I can be elegant. Like it. So, change how you think about aging if you're going to age well. And then lastly, inside this point, uh, you need to look forward. Everybody shout, look forward. Look forward, look forward. One of my favorite texts, and, 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 and this is Paul reflecting on Jesus on the cross. And here's what Paul says. And he's trying to encourage people who are trying to be faithful. Here's my language for it. Who's, who's trying to figure out how to age well in a broken world. And he says, here's how you do it. Fix your eyes on Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of your faith. One translation says, who's the pioneer and shaper of your faith. Watch this. Who for the joy that was set in front of him, before him, endured the, the, the pain of the cross. He despised the, the, the shame. In other words, he just overlooked the shame. Uh, and now he sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. He was looking forward. Now, now here's something that I think is uniquely spiritual that empowers you as you come to the end of life. I had a friend who's pastor, uh, George Henneman University Press uh, in Seattle. And he was sharing with me recently that he had a member who that whenever he would visit in the nursing home, they'd get to talking. Before the conversation was over, she shifted the conversation and she started talking about the party upstairs. And she started pointing upstairs, the party upstairs, party upstairs. 
Now he knew what she saw about was heaven. She was saying that I'm coming to the edge and to the end where this body has, is now about to break down and I don't need to kind of hold on to it because I, I, I know that there's a better place for me. And she, she talked about it with such gleam in her eye that Joy says that every now and then it was so, uh, it was, the room would be so full of power that when he would exit, he'd be tempted to get on the elevator and go one floor up just to check. Shout, the party upstairs. Party upstairs when Jesus has died for your sins. The party upstairs when he has redeemed your life with his life. And you don't have to worry about guilt or shame of what you didn't get done. The party upstairs, life more abundantly. Shout, look forward. All right, now here is the practical application. If I can look forward with peace, then... I can make preparations. Living trust, living will, write out my instructions for end of life care. Shout, look forward. Prepare my program for my funeral or my memorial so that the family doesn't have to worry about doing that and I don't have to wait till I'm 70 to get that done. I can begin to do that now or, or even earlier. Shout, look forward. I can start thinking about whether, uh, uh, you know, am I going to stay in my house and be cared for, which means I need to be on the, on the same floor, or am I going to be in an assistant living context? Shout, look forward. What kind of insurance I need to make sure that I'm cared for later. But if you don't truly trust Jesus, you know our temptation is to bury our heads in the sand. To pretend that death will never come. How sad. But the one who's dying on the cross says, trust me. Look forward. So that's how we age well. We do it intentional. We do it with grace. I'm going to say a word about caring well for those who are aging around us. This text is insightful. Verse 26, Jesus is dying, and the very first thing that leaps off the page at me is that John, who is writing this story, starts the whole book in chapter 1 by describing Jesus. He says, well, this one called Jesus is the, is the Logos, is the Word, and uh, 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 he was in the beginning, and he was God and was with God and all things were made uh, by him and through him. Without, anything, without him was not anything made that is made. He's the first cause of all creation, if you will. And, 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 and here he is finishing, dying now, finishing up the work of salvation and redemption uh, uh, that will be a radical transformation to, to, to all of life. And in the midst of all of that hurriness and busyness and hard work and pain that he's enduring, he makes space to care for his mother. If Jesus, in the middle of dying, working out salvation, can make space to care for his parent, what does that say about you and me? Is there any such thing as being so busy and so fast-paced that we don't have time to care? If you are a Jesus follower, the answer is no. I know this is what the text says. 
says, when he saw his mother, of course he had seen his mother all along, but what, the, what he's saying is, in the middle of that, he paid particular attention to her. Here's an insight about caring for people who are aging, and maybe you're not in the process of caring yet. They're, they're aging, but they're aging slowly, and uh, here's the insight. Start paying attention to them. Everybody shout, pay attention. You've got a mom, you've got an aunt, you've got a grandma, uncles. Start paying attention to them. What do you mean by paying attention? Let me give you some practicalities. Number one, stay connected to them and increase the connection. That means you may text and phone once or twice a month, but now you're going to pay attention. So you're going to start texting and phoning maybe two or three times a week, or maybe you're going to do it week uh, every day. And maybe you won't talk to her for an hour, it's just about 10 minutes or so. But, 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 if, but, but, but a lot of people who are aging, they will plan their schedule around that phone call. Hmm? Shout, pay attention. Pay attention, pay attention. It means that you, you increase the frequency of visiting them. Now, sometimes this is a lot difficult because they're in one part of the country, you're in another part of the country. But to the best of your ability, it might mean you have to change your budget a little bit and make some shifts because there are certain things you don't know about your parents or, or elderly seniors in your life until you go into their homes. When you walk in the house, you discover some stuff, right? You discover that, that, uh, that people who used to keep their house nice and neat and everything in pristine, suddenly, if you discover that everything is, 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 is disheveled and in great disrepair, that's a sign that something is up. It's only inside the house that you get to see that your dad keeps leaving the stove on. Right? Shout, pay attention. And then, of course, engage them with more activities if possible. If they're local, man, man, if you've got a chance, go shopping with them. Take them to the movies if they're mobile. If you've got to push them in a wheelchair, if you've got to wait because they're, you know, they're, they're, they're on a walk and it's going to take you much longer to get there, that's okay. It's well worth the wait. Go to the museum. Go shopping. Go, 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 go downtown. Spend this time. I promise you the day will come when you will look back and you'll be so grateful. Shout, pay attention. Oh, by the way, teach them a little technology. Yes. <laughs> this is always helpful. You know, we're aging, we're kind of afraid to take well, you know, Buy them a phone. Buy them an iPhone or something that you can work. That's easy. That's, that's an iPhone, not an Android. I'm sorry. But anyway. <laughs> but, but simple, right? Teach them how to text. Because one, that increases their connection to you. But then you might want to teach them a little bit about Facebook and Instagram because now they may have, this gives them a chance to connect to others. A little technology. Next, not only do we want to pay attention, this is the first point that's going to pop up here. Be realistic. Everybody shout, be realistic. Be realistic about two things. Number one, be realistic about what they can and cannot do. Now, when Jesus says, uh, Mary, here's your new son, and John, here's your new mom. Jesus is being realistic about Mary. He's, he's recognizing she's approaching 50. If he's 33, and she, she got pregnant when she was somewhere between 13 and 15 years old, she's somewhere close to 50. 
And, and, and her, the, 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 the background is her husband, Joseph, is, we're pretty sure is dead because he's not there. Jesus is the eldest son. He's about to leave the planet. Uh, evidently, he's got siblings. We know he's got siblings, but evidently, he doesn't trust them. Some of y'all know that story. Right. And so he's he. But he also knows that psychologically and sociologically, she can't make it by herself. He, he, he knows what she, she's going to need some help. So you've got to be realistic about what they can and what they can't do. Here's a practical tool to help you to be realistic about. Say, I don't really know what they can do. So take a tablet or take an iPad and, 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 and over the course of a week or two weeks, try to just capture everything that you have to do. For your loved ones, or if there's somebody helping you, whatever they do, just capture it. Just write it down, write it down, write it down. Don't worry about order or sequence, just write it down, write it down. And then you'll step back after about a week or two and you look at it, you got a real sense of how vast the care or how small the care is. Push it through the rest of the month because some things only happen once a month or twice a month. Push it all the way through. And you've got a sense of what they can do. That's the beginning and what they can't really do but they haven't talked about and secondly be realistic about what you can do and what you can't be realistic about your limitations Jesus realizes in this moment I'm dying I'm transitioning from earth to heaven uh, I I'm, I'm up against my limitations I cannot physically care for her so I'm going to have to find an alternative way of caring for her He's facing his own limitations. This is incredibly insightful when we think about caring for elderly people. Uh, uh, you have to learn how to face your own limitations. Say this with me. Don't be a hero. Be effective. Say it again. Don't be a hero. Be effective. I mean, we have this in our mind. At least I did. I remember as a, as a young man and my grand uncle had outlived my grand aunt he was beginning to deal with Alzheimer's accident for into Alzheimer's and I brought him into my house that was my dream it was my my hope that I could keep him in my home and that, he, that I'd take care of him he would die in my home but early on in about a week I discovered I couldn't do it I wasn't equipped because he was going out at 2, 1 o'clock in the morning, sneaking out during the course of the day. We locked the doors. He unlocked the doors. Run the risk of getting hit and lost and all these horrible things. And it broke my heart. But ultimately, I made the decision that, you know what, at the end of the day, I can't be the hero in his story. I, I need to be the wise one in his story. And, and, and what he needs is for me to own up to my limitations and put him in an adequate nursing home that could really do what I couldn't do. And while it broke my heart, it was an enormous blessing. I gave to him. So you got to be realistic about your limitations. And then, as I hasten the conclusion, uh, you got to build a team. Check this out. You just can't care for people solely by yourself. Shout team! You need a team, y'all. When Jesus says to John, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm giving you my mom for you to care. Uh, presumably, Jesus is dropping Mary inside of John's household. 
He's not just dropping her into his life. He's dropping her inside of his household. Presumably, John is the head of a household and that the entire household or whatever, whoever is his community, they will participate. They will be his team in caring for Mary. Let me say something very quickly right here. Uh, uh, be humble enough to ask for help. Ask brothers and sisters for help. Yeah, you may have to take a little snack. Yeah, they made a difference. Who cares? Let them help. They should be if they can. Right? Uh, I take great joy in the fact that Jesus turns his mother over to John, a man. Because 75% of the caregivers today are females. And we're reminded by Jesus saying, John, I give you charge over my mom, that men can be good caregivers too. One of my greatest heroes in this man is a fellow by the name of Kevin uh, Douglas. He's uh, married to my god sister. He's really my god brother. They had to move his mother-in-law into the house. He became a remarkable caregiver. He'd help get her, get her, pick her up, get her out of bed, put her in a wheelchair, get out of the wheelchair, put her back in the bed, pull her out, put her out while they changed the sheets and things. He'd run a thousand errands so that his wife wouldn't have to worry about that to relieve her. He'd put her in the living room and sit down and talk to her, make sure she brought her food to her. Look at this man caring for his mother-in-law. Oh, by the way, if you got kids, let them participate. Yes. That's the greatest gift you can give. They had two teenage girls, and those teenage girls, they had to get up early in the, in, at 2 o'clock and 3 o'clock in the morning when she would wake up two or three times, and, and they had to help learn to tend to her and change her bedpan and help change the sheets for her and help her to get up and get it out. And what a grand gift of teaching these girls this notion of compassion and caring for others other than themselves. And, and by the way, they probably would be the people who would care for their parents. Don't shield your kids. Let them participate at whatever level they can. And then uh, the team, you know, if you can hire a caregiver, do it. Do so. Uh, there's home health services. That's great. Make sure you get a counselor or join a small group because you need a place to process yourself. Make sure you got a, a good best friend that's in your life to exercise with you and process with you. Make sure you've got spiritual support as well. Because uh, you don't just need people to talk to, you need people who can pray with you and pray you through. And here's the thing I'm trying to get to. Uh, and, and be mindful of your stress level. How about self stress? Let me illustrate. Uh, it's just, this is not a heavy cup, is it? It's, it's, it's light. It's, 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 it's light, right? I mean, who in here couldn't hold this cup? It's so light. But let me hold it for an hour. I begin to feel a little stress in my elbow. Let me hold it for five hours. Now I begin to feel a little pain, a little stress here. Let me hold it for two days. Now my side is aching and my arm is aching. 
But if I took this and put it down and took a break, everybody say, take a break. I can work my arm and get it rejuvenated. Then I can go back and pick it up again. No, no, I put it down again. You know, if I had to hold on to this for the next week, if I, as long as I put it down and took some breaks, I could, I could manage to hold this cup. So when you're caring for loved ones, you, you've got to build in. You've got to take a break. For some, it's just five-minute breaks two or three times a day, walking around the block. If the, if the, if the person is, is, can be cared for internally, uh, uh, take a TikTok break. There's a thousand ways to take five-minute breaks. And, uh, all the way to taking a weekend break where you get a sibling or somebody to come and stay the weekend and you, you get out of there, right? Uh, uh, everybody shout break. Because here's the deal. If you don't take breaks, the stress of care will break you. Don't be a hero. Be effective. And then at the end, here's, I'm finished, I'm over time. Care for them with grace and empathy. Grace and now I'm talking about unmerited favor. Grace and empathy. Now I'm talking about Jesus who knew no sin, dying in the place of all who were sinful. That's you and I, right? That's, 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 that's exercising grace, that's leaning in, carrying upon himself the burden of, of our stuff. That's empathy, care with grace and empathy. Let me see, can I, let me just put it this way. Uh, Judge Judy again, of course. As you know, my wife forces me to watch it. And so... This most recent one, this daughter is suing her mama, who's about 75 or 80 years old. I don't understand this. A lot of cases like that. I don't get this. But anyway, and, 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 and when the judge gets to the bottom of it and the, and the daughter is suing her, it's going to put her out of her house. And when the judge gets to the bottom of it, the daughter just breaks out and says, well, mom, you wasn't there for me. When I needed you, you were not there. And so what she was practically saying is, man, you messed me up, now I'm going to punish you. Thank God Jesus didn't take that posture with you and me. Thank God that Jesus declares that you messed up, but I don't take the punishment upon myself so that I can work redemptively in your life. All right, let me illustrate if I was blind and I had my stick and I'm trying to figure out how to get out of here, I'm hitting, tapping them between the two chairs, looking, and I tap my man here upside the head. <laughs> Pop! As much as I've just heard him, I wouldn't assume that he's going to get up and pop me back. Because if he did, all of y'all should jump on him. <laughs> Why? Because I'm blind, y'all. And it's obvious to you that I'm blind, even though I've hit him with my stick and wounded him. And here is the point I'm trying to get you to see. Yes, our parents and, and older people in our lives, they've done some wounding things. But we need to realize that at the end of the day, life, broken life, has a way of blinding us. 
They wound us out of their blindness. So Jesus cries from the same cross, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. The most sacred thing you can do is to care for someone who you feel like dogs you out. Redemptively love them. You won't just heal them. You will experience healing. And everybody said amen. Amen. Give God a hand, praise.